This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Oi, what's the best game where you get to eat pie? What's the best game where you play a dead guy? Aye, you'll find out in VG247's podcast. Here, what's the best game where you swing from a root? And what's the best game where you batter the pole? Like I said, you will find out in this year's podcast. Right, okay. Uh, hello and welcome to VG247's Best Games Ever podcast, where we attempt to find the best game within uh, an arbitrary category that we've made up. Uh, for example, this week we're looking for the best game that completely flopped. Uh, You know, in this industry, as with all industries, being brilliant, being the best, being beloved, being gifted with award-winning acclaim doesn't guarantee success. Isn't that right, Tom? It's a bit of a sore subject, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm joined, of course, by Tom, uh, Alex and Dom today. Uh, Dom, uh, is this your third time on the podcast? This is my third time on the podcast, yep. Yeah, third time on the podcast and... Uh, you've won every time you've appeared up until yeah, now. Yeah, unbroken streak. I mean, I'm not saying you're not going to win, but yeah, I mean, is this going to be like, you're like, at this stage, you're like the Undertaker at WrestleMania, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, and uh, Alex might be Brock Lesnar, uh, or Tom might be Brock Lesnar. It, de- <laughs> it depends. Um, that's, uh, right, that's enough wrestling chat, fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, okay, so first of all, let's go to... Uh, let's hear from Dom because we haven't heard from you for so long. All right, cool. Well, I had two choices coming into this. Um, one of which I could have done a James Belkiff and tried to game you personally to manipulate you. <laughs> but instead, I tried to play it properly and went with what I actually want, uh, which is Deathloop. Okay. Uh, it's It was a PlayStation exclusive when it launched, despite Bethesda being owned by uh, Microsoft at that point. Uh, it didn't sell particularly well, but to be honest, I could have chosen any of Arcane's games because they made games that. <laughs> games journals like but everyone else seems yeah. to hate or at least not enjoy and not sell that's the wrong podcast topic we've had this <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's truly similar ground right not to like piss on our own concept here uh but games over commercial flop like all the arcane stuff um i was gonna yeah. go for dishonored but definitely was newer fresher and it had that kind of 60s psychedelic vibe uh which i really really enjoyed and also i like the systems more the gunplay is better than all the sort of like enforced melee stuff you get in the Dishonored games. So, mm. yeah, I just I just really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really cool concept. I thought it was arcane, really demonstrating that they could do something a bit different that isn't in that kind of like really high sci-fi setting like Prey or in that really kind of like funky fantasy steampunk guesting that they had Dishonored in. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it was just, it's, it's strong. The, the voice acting and the sort of like time loop narrative they've got in there, uh, I think a lot of a lot of fiction does time travel really, really fucking badly, uh, and I think Deathly mm. does it in a really interesting way that leans into it being a video game, that leans into it being interactive, that leans into the idea that you keep on dying and keep on coming back. It's like a, a mechanic we have in games a lot that is justified and put quite well. So, yeah, Deathly, everyone should play it. It's on Game Pass. Everyone should play it. Play it. It is good. I was one of those people that gave that five out of five. It is good. Yeah, 
it's, isn't it on um, PS Plus as well? Isn't it like it's like it was. I don't know if it, it was for a while. Is, I imagine I, I feel like them. there's no bar. I mean, I've got it on like I've got it on two machines. <laughs> when I haven't. Do you know what? I actually find Death really intimidating. That's my problem with it. Like I really like the style of it, and I, I feel it, it feels really good to play. The shooting is really nice, and I like uh, the style of it and everything else. But um, I've played it a few times, and I haven't even got to the point where you like properly start looping and, and doing all the, the weird timey wimey stuff because I'm intimidated by it and uh, I should probably just plow through and, and not let that not let that intimidate but, me right I mean that's arcane for you right every single game arcane has ever made is just so it looks so impenetrable it's just this like massive mm. like massive wall this massive palisade of just mechanics and stuff mm. and it's so hard to overcome and yeah. penetrate but once you I do, enjoy also but it's the same series as Dishonored, technically. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's in the same universe, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly. the same cool. universe, not series, yeah. I guess. But yeah. I enjoy, I like it when devs do that, when they make a different thing. Yeah. Uh, but still make it part of another piece. It is good. All yeah. the sci-fi stuff in it as well, all that kind of lore and all that weird sci-fi stuff, it's like, it feels so disconnected from what Dishonored is and was. So if you're trying to pull those mm. threads together and if you go in there, it's very, very subtle, the kind of connections between it, but it's there and you can kind of see uh, how it all works and kind of falls them together. I, just, I love Arcane and what they do. I think they're a very underrated um, niche and possibly slightly... I don't think they're underrated. They're perfectly rated. They're just, their <laughs> games have, have very, some reason, don't have the mass appeal that I guess... The quality they're underselling, but they're not underrated because people do rate like the way people talk about Arcane. It's with that sort of reverence that's reserved for really really top tier studios but they have always struggled to i think it's because yeah i think it's because i think it is because they're intimidating ironically it's like microsoft bought them bought bethesda for elder scrolls and fallout right but ironically one of the best fits for them is arcane because they're the sort of games they make are probably almost best off being in a subscription where you don't have to commit to paying 60 or 70 quid for it 100%, 100%, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Uh, yeah, them uh, and Obsidian, I would say. I think Obsidian are probably in the same boat where they make like lots of the most brilliant stuff and uh, probably push the envelope in ways that other studios don't, but they don't have the mass appeal of a Bethesda or a, or a Bioware or anything. like. They've never had a real hit like that, have they? Exactly. So you look at like, the last yeah. few years or the coming year on uh, Xbox and you have Deathloop, Ghostwire Tokyo and Pentiment all coming out because things that probably wouldn't... I think Ghostwire as well didn't sell particularly well on PlayStation. So when it comes yeah. eventually to Game Pass, uh, mm. uh, this new era of like Xbox-supported Game Pass games uh, that yeah. may not com- commercially be the most successful, but definitely have their yeah. appeal. It's quite a good time Ghostwire to Ghostwire Tokyo is also a wonderful Game Pass game. Yeah, it's brilliant. Because it's like, it's so... Ghostwire Tokyo is such great what digital tourism. What is this podcast? What's going on? <laughs> we actually, sorry, we're actually talking about video games now. No, sorry, Tom. this is not allowed. I want to get back on the, sorry, on the topic. Tom. The topic being that Deathloop is the game we've chosen here, right? Every single and... podcast I'm on, every time people start talking earnestly about video games, someone goes, oh, what are we doing? Yeah. But Deathloop, the problem I have with Deathloop is that I find it looks boring. It just looks boring. What are you uh, on about? It all of great. their games, they look boring. I think that's the problem. It doesn't look boring. It looks like it you're an assassin on the Isle of Man. I don't I don't <laughs> think... I mean, they, their games look nice, but they also look a bit boring. You look at them compared to, like, other AAA stuff, hmm. and because the art style is very... It's distinctive, but it doesn't have the kind of wow 
of of big AAA, which I think probably does hurt them a little bit. I just I don't I actually don't understand where you're coming from there. Just they, like, don't, they don't look they don't that, look all that whaling stuff in uh, in in the Dishonored uh, games is it, like the, the, the steampunk whale based economy is incredible. Yeah, it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> I do realize I just said the phrase whale based economy, so yeah, you're probably right. Um, you about mobile uh, games? Way. <laughs> um, all right. Okay, let's move on to. Uh, I'm very curious because uh, uh, Alex didn't tell me his ahead of time, so I'm very curious to find out what it is. Have you picked wow. something? Are you picking something right now? <laughs> no, no, I've picked something. But it's, it's it's sort of like one of those things. Uh, it's the opposite of Bill Cliff. It's a game I've spoken about before. It's a game I know you aren't necessarily fond of, so I'm <laughs> making a rod for my own back. But for me, you talk about this, and there's only there's only really. So I almost came into this, and you're going to know where I'm going straight away as soon as these words leave my mouth. But I almost went into this um, wanting to be cheeky, and I sort of am being cheeky at the same time because I want to put this forward out there and say this category is made for the Dreamcast, <laughs> where it was home. <laughs> the, the The console was 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 brilliant and underrated and uh, ahead of its time. Like so much of what the Dreamcast was doing, was then later done by the Xbox. Um, mm-hmm. It was just you yeah. know, and, but they were just screwed from the start. You know, they had that falling out with well, EA and Sega never got along. Have you ever wondered why um, EA games on the Mega Drive slash Genesis came in weird shaped carts? That was because EA always refused to pay the licensing fee to actually have official sega carts and mm. they reverse engineered the machine to have their to be able to put their own carts in um which i think these days you probably there would be a legal challenge over that but back then it's a bit more wild it was, yeah it was the wild west back then wasn't it <laughs> so ea and sega never really got along and so, so ea pulled out of the dreamcast before it even released so they never had any of the sports games and lots of things happened to really really hurt sega's chances and the, the saturn was a problem as well right um you know that if you're coming off the back of something bad you've got to work extra hard uh to write it but it can happen look at the switch but anyway <laughs> so when i think of this i think of the dreamcast and then obviously the flagship of this is of course shenmue well, um, <laughs> that is you know it is at the time it was the most expensive game ever made it was an incredible uh, technological marvel technological masterpiece it had started life as a saturn game and and grown into this next gen title um it was there's a lot i realize it's an acquired taste but there's a lot about shenmue that i think is wonderful um there's a lot about the sort of the joy it takes in the mundane that i think then sort of filters down into things like persona Mm. and things like um even even down to things like Elder Scrolls and like later Elder Scrolls games and Witcher games, I think Shenmue is the first thing to sort of do that. You go the the way in which you go through that world. I think you know the way in which it uses the calendar um, mm-hmm. influence the later Persona games. The way they use the calendar, like its influence is enormous. Its influence over things like facial animation and stuff like that. And if you look back at it, it was you know I was looking it up this morning and uh, you look at how it, how it scored and it was like an A+, plus, which is the highest score they did on 1UP, uh, a 9 from Eurogamer back when they didn't think scores were beneath them. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, really praised in Edge, 5 stars from Next Generation, 4.5 stars from Game Trailers, IGN 9.7, um, and, so, and, and then a litany of 10s from places like 
Dreamcast magazine and things like that. But the point, there were a few weird outliers. Like Game Informer gave it a six. So there were some people who just did not get on with it. But mm. on the whole, it's average score. You know, in the modern, the Metacritic didn't exist then. But in the modern Metacritic parlance, this would have been a 90-something. You know, it would have been up there with your Breath of the Wilds and, and, and things like that. So it was this cultural, uh, it was this, 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 this cultural beloved darling critically and i think among the audience but the combination of the sheer amount that it cost and oh god yeah the dreamcast install base so it went on to sell about 1.2 million copies uh, which is pretty decent but it was just nowhere near um you know it was the sort of game where it wasn't like we are disappointed it was the sort of game where sega executives in um finance calls outright called it a commercial failure and it's it's as a commercial failure probably did also have moved the needle a little bit on moving sega that little bit closer towards the brink that they then later toppled off um but i just look at it and i'm just like i understand that some people the the sort of weird day-to-day tone of the game and the lackadaisical way it just sort of flows and things like that it's absolutely not for everyone the weird english voice acting situation where it's all the english voiceover is sort of terrible because yu suzuki insisted on all the voice acting being recorded in japan and in those days they definitely weren't gonna fly people over to japan so they just cast whatever english speaking people (laughs) they could find um (laughs) who lived you know within a commutable distance to sega's office Hmm. um and the famously, right, the, uh, the the main guy who plays Ryo, uh, a, a huge element of him being cast was that Suzuki felt he looked a bit like Ryo, <laughs> even though <laughs> the performance wasn't that good. And so things like that put people off. But I still think it's one of the most important games uh, ever made, really. And I think it's one of the most... When you look at video games in their modern form now, there's like handful of games along that path that i think were really demonstrative and really formative for how 3d action games and 3d exploration and 3d Mm. world spaces would be built in the future and shenmue sits alongside stuff like um ocarina of time and mario 64 and goldeneye and you know you go a little later i think it sits alongside stuff like 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 halo and things like that um but the one difference it has from all those other games is that it was a complete and total flop and lost an enormous amount of money. And <laughs> so it just feels like an absolutely perfect fit for this category. It is, uh, I'm, I'm very aware and acquired taste, and I know that you don't particularly like it, Jim. I have a lot of time for it. I've got uh, something to say about it quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering, is this the most boring games of all time podcast or... <laughs> but this is what i mean it's an acquired taste but i don't think shenmue is boring like i think have the I second said, one's better have i um, gone off on one about shenmue in the past i, I think so i, f- I feel have like I... that's the case because i remember when when i was pick- when i was picking and this is yeah. one of those topics where it wasn't really a pick I, straight away i zeroed in on this and i remember having a second thought and thinking hmm probably won't win because jim I don't think Jim likes him, but maybe I, maybe I, but uh, for me, that's the thing, Tom, for me, the, uh, the, mm. it's not boring because the sort of, the deliberate mundane element of that day to day is sort of beautiful. But then again, I am one of those people that was that affected 
buy this game that like and i only know um you bought the jacket that's what you're gonna say didn't you no, <laughs> i know i know the story no uh, uh, but i have um i have been to something i know one other person who's done it andy kelly but I, like when i was in japan once i i went to yokosuka because i wanted to and walked the streets that are depicted in that game and was blown away by how even though the game's set in the 80s so we were 30 plus years removed how i actually recognized some of those streets <laughs> like and some of the shops that had clearly been there for that entire period where mm. they'd gone and taken their reference photos and were like right this is a jacket sh- a- a- an american style jacket shop with a big yellow sign and you walk down the street and you go that's the that's the that's the military apparel store like it isn't a military apparel store it's something slightly different but that is the same facade and the same color scheme and all the rest and so and that's where that's where i think Shenmue matters it's like even to this day the, the world it builds and what it depicts is so impressive mm. um even by modern standards and so that's where you look at it and you look at the legacy of this game but i just think it's a great game and it was a huge commercial flop um you know mm. it lost millions upon millions upon millions of dollars and as a bonus it flopped despite being the most expensive game of all time at the time of its release, which is even more um, embarrassing. And I do wonder, the last mm. thing I'll say is, I feel uh, mostly the flop, the, the game was definitely an acquired taste, but lots of games that are an acquired taste find an audience. I think the bigger problem was that it was on the Dreamcast, and yeah. I think had that game, and then by the time it came out, by the, by the time the second one came to Xbox, it was sort of too late. But I think had that game launched on PS2, we'd be looking at it and going, this is one of the most influential games of all time. And Yu Suzuki probably would have got to make his seven-part saga or however many bloody parts it was supposed to be. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, mm. Shenmue. I think, um, so I've, I've played, I didn't play Shenmue back in the day, but I, I played the, the remasters for a bit when they came out, um, mostly out of curiosity. Um, and I, I find them... Um, so, like, you can see, I mean, obviously, from Shenmue, you directly get Yakuza, right? And it's it's yeah. got it's got that um, that wonderful. We all we always talk about the sense of place that a lot of these types of games have, um, uh, and, and like you say, the the mundanity of the the day to day stuff that you do, um, the life sim stuff is really important. I, I think it is part of that mix that you get. Like, you know, how do you get to, you know. Skyrim, for example, you 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 know you you got you start off with elite in the eighties, yeah, and it introduces the concept of like an open uh, world slash galaxy where you can go anywhere and do anything within the systems of the game, and then you and then you get like along the way you get stuff like Shenmue, which really takes that and grounds it somewhere familiar. Well, um, even though even though it's a different country and stuff, I genuinely genuinely don't think you get to Radiant AI. Mm. The famed Oblivion, uh, uh, Skyrim, Fallout, AI engine, and all the craziness that that causes, where all the NPCs have their day-to-day schedules and all that sort of stuff. I genuinely think you don't get to that without Shenmue, because Shenmue had that just in a less evolved form, but people had places they had to go, places they had to be, had to do things at certain times of day, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was more it was more sophisticated than Morrowind was. Morrowind came out years later, um, so yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good pick. 
I, I don't. I, I think. Um, I think I find Shenmue baffling and impenetrable, but I, I don't dislike it. I just. I couldn't uh, get through most of the doors in, that, in his house. <laughs> I was just like, I'm lost in this maze. And that was it. Yeah. Um, I haven't been in many Japanese buildings, but their hotels are a bit like that. It is hard to believe. I hadn't even tweaked that, but you just said it. But it is hard to believe that that game came out two years before Morrowind. That yeah. is sort of wild to me. Yeah. And when people say Yakuza yeah. as well, I want to say, Yakuza is sort of a descendant of Shenmue, but the thing I'd say is I think Yakuza is more like Shenmue had a love child with Streets of Rage. Mm. So it sort of gets its world view and its world building and stuff from Shenmue mm. and the sense of place it has and stuff. But it gets yeah. the sort of smash and grab and, yeah. and, and, and intensity from those Sega beat-em-ups. I think it's it's sort of a, a combination of those two. Whereas obviously in Shenmue, it's got that martial arts thing, but like Shenmue, you might choose to spend your afternoon in a local park, just practicing a move over and over again in order <laughs> yeah. to be able to use it in the fights later. And obviously, uh, Yakuza doesn't have that sort of uh, cadence. Well, Yakuza is like one of the it's one of the greatest games of all time because it's got like fifty percent of it is the the brilliantly kind of modern like life sim stuff where it, where yeah. it does like really it simulates city life in a way that's really intricate and really compelling but you also get to walk from left to right battering people which <laughs> i think is also just as important um all right tom uh all right i've trying to i've been googling boring games just to try and get a third <laughs> choice that fits because i don't want to disappoint the listeners <laughs> this has been pretty dire so far, hasn't it? This is it's so mean, Tom. Honestly, I mean, I, honestly, I couldn't think of two games. I, I, I couldn't like just have no interest in whatsoever. <laughs> um, so my choice, actually, I mean, Alex is talking about how um, Shenmue sort of was bad for Sega. My game actually made the whole studio close. Um, it bombed that hard. Um, so uh, it's it's a very good game, one of the best racing games of all time. Um, and uh, it's it's so if we go back to um, sort of late, uh, what, what I'm trying to think of like the period. It was like. Just, just to the end, like 2009, I don't know when it was, 2009, something like that, um, Activision uh, bought Bizarre Creations, um, which uh, was a, a game studio that specialised in doing mostly racing games. They did do other stuff that was good as well. Um, but off the back of making PGR games for Microsoft, they had this game called Blur, which was developed for Activision um, and it was like it was billed as like oh it's mm. it's got proper cars in it but also power-ups and stuff so it looked on the face of it a bit like like uh, a Mercedes firing a, a blue shell or whatever um, it didn't really feel like that when you played it but it looked a bit like it was a bit of an odd uh, mashup but mm. I think what you didn't really get from the marketing was that it was actually a very good arcade racer in terms of the way it felt to play um it had all the kind of um what the nuance that like the pgr games had really in terms of the driving model and everything else it was really good fun just to race around in i think if anything the power-ups 
hurt it in that it made it seem like a bit of a gimmicky game and in fact it was just a really good arcade racer um and the problem was that at the time and it was it was was built as some kind of like driving game war because you had this and you had split second Mm, which was i think a much far inferior game but it looked flashier Mm, for sure i I know alex what you're gonna say but it was not as good um (laughs) and and then there was some like like, modern nation racers and some other stuff that was around at the same time and it was like oh all these racing games how can they how can they all compete together well they clearly couldn't or they were never going to because there wasn't a market for them but blur sold very badly like i don't know what the projections were but i think it did like i don't know half a mil or something like very bad for a game that was this is from like activision's big studio um they bought um bizarre this was like the first thing well was it the first thing from them i can't remember when um the bond who who did bond and when that happened but it was like the first big racing game anyway from them since the acquisition i want to say this was after bloodstone but I think yeah. they did. Oh no, no, they were the same. Well, they were, they were the same years. So they were basically on top of each other. Right. But it was like this was the first big racing game. They had high hopes for it. Obviously, mm. it didn't do very well at all. Which I think partly down to the way it's marketed. Um, the concept itself was possibly a little bit too much for some people just to get their head around. Like, do they? Would you? Do you want to be driving around licensed cars while firing off proton blasts, wherever it was? I don't know. Um, but I think if you looked at, away from that, it was really good, like, arcade racer with this kind of, like, flashy racing that you would have, like, you, if you play the PGR games, you would appreciate. Um, but just really did very badly. Uh, they closed the studio the following year, um, probably less than a year after the game released. Um, and that was it. They were making a sequel, which um, had you, like, driving on the side of buildings and stuff. looked really cool. That never actually happened um and then we just lost a studio that was responsible for some really good games so blur for me uh i i i when i had a um 360 hooked up i play it quite a lot just go back give it a little go um and then it's just like the whole studio has gone because this game bombed and and compared to the other games we're talking about this looks like a, a fun video game like it's got color um definitely it's got, got a really good soundtrack it doesn't have tedious doors in it. Um, you're not just simulating your own life. Mm. I mean, it just—it's a better game as, as a gamey game than anything else we talked about. It's, um, uh, it's like I think a it was a line miscalculation like, there, right? I think mm. it was people liked the fun of PGR. I, like some of my fondest ever online memories are like um, when you used to do cat and mouse in PGR, mm. right? Where you would have yeah. minis and Lamborghinis or whatever, and you would technically team up. It wasn't a real mode but the people with the faster cars would try and push the people with the smaller cars around the track as quickly as they could. And PGR, <laughs> you made your own fun in crazy ways like that, but I always felt it was a miscalculation to sort of do this. Like the, the, the Cliff Notes pitch, right, was it's, it's Mario Kart, but with real cars. Mm-hmm. power-ups and all that sort of stuff. And I think a lot of people who would buy PGR, even though it's a racing game with silly things in it, we're like, well, that's too silly for me. Um, and, you know, don't forget, it, 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 there was that in Split Second, but, but, but um, Split Second bombed as well. Mm. So mm. it wasn't like... Uh, it, 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 it wasn't like uh, this 
particularly. I don't know. It was. I don't know if people just weren't. There wasn't space in the market at the time. Obviously, that was when Need for Speed was really big. But it also, is mad how think... they're like the, the the Armageddon Deep Impact versions of each other in a way. And yeah, I don't. It's... I don't know if this. Uh, I don't know if this killed Bizarre in the sense that Bond came out six months later. Maybe it was a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. And Activision just sort of sucked back then. Still do. Um, <laughs> in terms of the way they treated studios and stuff. But yeah, my opinion is, my, my argument against Tom is, I think it's good. I just don't think it's that good. And I think that was almost the problem, mm. is that it just wasn't as good as PGR. And people knew that so it wasn't it. it wasn't as good as pgr because of what we talked about like they the stuff they i think had it been a another pure city racer with all the, mm. the like they had a good style to it it looked great as Couldn't a game even go to edinburgh in it. I mean, but it, had, like, it, did, it didn't have the same appeal as pgr because like you said like do i want to have the serious looking but fun racer mm-hmm. and then add on top a load of neon colored power-ups probably not um, i got most of my enjoyment from just ignoring the power-ups and doing like the challenges and stuff so, yeah. so this is what i mean so you got most of your enjoyment by ignoring a core part of the game <laughs> yeah you want to know a, you want to know a better bizarre <laughs> creations game that also bombed um the the one where you run through stuff was it called the club yeah i like the club That's it was a good first one. Club was very shooter, good. and and they basically applied the project gotham racing kudos mm. system to a shooter and ironically the best mechanic from the club later crops up in 50 cent blood on the sand where they had that same um where they had that same every episode of this show leads to 50 cent blood on the sand at some that is the ultimate best game (laughs) but um it was only no one's ever picked it for anything but it's still it's like the shadow looms large It, it was it was only a year later but it had the same system where you could where you comboed and you got your points up and and blood on the sand added a wonderful <laughs> twist of one of the ways you could keep your combo up in between enemies was by pressing the dedicated swear button where <laughs> 50 or his comrades would would you know call uh call the person they just killed a slur and uh, <laughs> and that would keep your combo going press very x good to game. slur very good game i mean was that a commercial flop um, would that have been a good choice here <laughs> uh, I don't know actually. Made in Birmingham well. as well, so you know that is that is it's got, it's got everything. It's got everything going for it. Truly, brilliant. All right, uh, gonna play that jingle now that says I have to pick something. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I think it's quite funny, Tom, that you complained about the other two being boring when you your the pitch for the game you picked was essentially, what if, uh, what if we did Mario Kart but with a Ford Mondeo? Um... <laughs> I didn't pitch. I didn't pitch. I didn't make this game. Um, and uh, and I, I do like that's it's... still more exciting than <laughs> what do... is it like dr- walking around? 
I'm going to sit under a tree. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to press a machine and get a little toy out of it. It's not well, about how being exciting. exciting. No, it's how about exciting being fulfilled is. on a spiritual and emotional level. I don't even know what you're doing, Deathloop. I can't be bothered to even read a single thing about it. <laughs> Travel through time to a, a banging 60s psych rock soundtrack. There's nothing not to like. Yeah, it's pretty good, Tom. Um... So, uh, you know what, though? I do like Blur a lot. Um, and Blur and Left 4 Dead are the, the only two games that I ever properly, two multiplayer games that I ever properly got into. Um, I don't really bother with multiplayer because, like, I'm, like, 100% worse at everything than everyone else is in terms of video games, right? So I've never really bothered with it. I'll just, I just get killed every three seconds and quit. But, like, I really enjoyed Blur. I wasn't too bad at it. I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't win that often, but I would win every now and then, and that was enough to keep me going. Um, and I thought it was a great... I thought that fusion of, uh, of Mario Kart power-ups and actual proper motorsport was actually pretty... Uh, pretty exciting and i thought it was a much better proposition than its direct rival which was uh, what if michael bay made a racing game what if michael bay <laughs> fucked off um so uh yeah i mean he ruined transformers and everything else he's touched so why do we want to let him touch anything else even conceptually um death loop uh, again like i said before i find it really i find it quite intimidating but i do love the style of it and you know i find arcane baffling because they've made a lot of stuff and has it all kind of flopped or, or just not been uh, have they ever had like a proper big hit I think they found their I niche right it, the I don't think any of it has like hard flopped flopped but I think it's yeah. fair to say that if they weren't owned by Bethesda which you know was a private capital company that didn't have to publish financial results didn't have shareholders to answer to and now he's sort of absorbed into the greater Microsoft structure. I wonder if Arkane would have got to have continued making the sorts of games that it made or if they would have been told, right, okay, you've tried this two or three times now and it's not really gone big, so time yeah. to do something else. Uh, I don't think that would have happened anywhere other than Bethesda, basically, because Bethesda had that... I, just remember, I remember when Elder Scrolls Online launched, it was really difficult to tell if that game was actually successful or not, yeah. because like the word of mouth sort of suggested it might have been a not very successful MMO, but there was yeah. no real way to tell because they've got no financial results. So they don't have to release anything. Some of those sticks with me about Arcane is that when I was at GDC a couple of years ago, um, someone from Sony was talking to me and they said that Arcane make games for game developers. And I think that's like a really good way of putting it. It feels like all these systems and this kind of like, it sells really well to people that give a shit about how these things work together and all these tiny moving parts, the clockwork of game design, da 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 da. But then the, the, maybe the average consumer is like, like Tom says, that's boring. That's not something that I necessarily appeals to me. That's interesting. It's like it's like Norm Macdonald being like the comedian's comedian, and I, you know, you watch you watch that guy work, and it's just like there's not much going on there for anyone who isn't really looking for it. But yeah, I, I guess I'm the people's critic. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see what people like and they don't like arcane games <laughs> um, alright look uh, I have to I have to uh, right Shenmue right I'm almost and no disrespect to Alex but I'm almost slow to do this because Alex you win so often <laughs> <laughs> I haven't won much lately not at all you, yeah, only because you haven't been on <laughs> fucking Bill Cliff's been on soaking up all the wins when <laughs> when Donaldson's been away <laughs> 
Um, but no, no, uh, I think, I do think you have the strongest argument for Shenmue, actually, considering the, if you just look at uh, the scale of the flop and I'll, and compare that to the scale of the influence it's had on games after that point, it's almost inconceivable from when you, you look at it from this end, it's almost inconceivable that Shenmue was such a massive, dismal failure. I mean, it, it contributed contributed very directly to Sega exiting the console business altogether, didn't it? Yes and no. I, it was really expensive, but I, almost Sega knowing that their back was against the wall was almost yeah. why they spent all the money at the same time. So it's yeah. sort of those things are definitely intertwined. Um, Do you know how many... Dreamcasts were sold because uh, I'm just wondering what the attachment rate is to like Dreamcasts. So, when I was doing my research, when I was doing my research for this, I noticed there was a quote from Peter Moore that basically said oh, that um, so he, was the, he was the Sega boss then, right? And yeah. it basically said that the attachment for Shenmue at the time it released was really good. But yeah. it just the install base mate, basically meant it was going to be impossible for Shenmue yeah. to actually make make its money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and looking at it now, so it, the Dreamcast did. Wikipedia's got it at nine point one million. Um, okay. So you know, can you imagine uh, looking at that, the financials of that, and being like, well, "We need basically everyone who's bought a Dreamcast to also buy this game, otherwise we're fucked." There was a video game released relative like you know in in recent memory where yeah. um uh, it was a a playstation 5 exclusive where yeah. i don't know how the situation changed down the line but early on in the playstation 5's life people working on that game were shitting themselves because of all the covid uh supply problems and someone said to me legitimately they were like if Sony doesn't sort out, you know, if 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 Sony distribution whatever doesn't sort out the problems with the PS5 install base, we might have to sell this game to like seventy percent of PS5 owners to, to make our money back. <laughs> but I think Sony then actually did get all that sorted out in quite a big way, and you know, yeah. you can walk into a shop now and buy a PS5. We're so. actually properly seeing like next gen taking off now because people can actually like the, the you can walk into a shop and buy a ps5 <laughs> it's yeah. incredible it's incredible I mean, like, <laughs> what a world right um okay all right yeah like, we're gonna leave it there tom looks absolutely furious with me um <laughs> as he always does at this point in Just, proceedings you know at the start of this podcast i said that i had a, a, a game i had in mind i could game the system if i wanted to that game yeah, was Sleeping yeah. Dogs. Would that have would that have had oh, me win? No. Oh, yeah, you would have won. Well, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know the thing about Sleeping Dogs, though. I think it was quite successful on its yeah. own merits and on its budget and on its time and stuff like that. They just chose not to make another one for it's, whatever it's reason. It's the um, it's the the kind of the warped kind of lens of Square Enix accounting, isn't it? <laughs> is <laughs> every Western game a flop? Every game doesn't do as well as e- they every, want it yeah, to do, every, right? Yeah, every Western game was a disappointment to them. Even when Tomb Raider sold 13 million copies and was the yeah. highest-selling Tomb Raider game in history, right. our, our projections were afraid to spell, sell 4 billion <laughs> right. copies. And now it's like, it's... Uh, yeah, unfortunately that that was the one I, I almost i was quite tempted to sort of go outside <laughs> go, i was quite tempted to go outside the remit and say mm. uh, not a game and say final fantasy the spirits within um, <laughs> oh, wow which obviously uh at, at the time That's biggest box office film of all it, time that was another boring piece of shit wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that film i actually think is okay the other final fantasy films are not good uh, i got uh, a soft spot for having children it's shite. 
It's <laughs> shite, but it's good shite. It's like eating like mm. nothing but a whole loaf on. of white Look, bread. Thirty-eight minutes. The timer says thirty-eight <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I'm just enjoying watching you absolutely stew in 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 the little webcam window. Just like oh. I've got stuff to do, and this is just like I'm sure I said to you, let's do this quite quickly as we've all got lots on. Yeah, let's gonna, make this quick as gonna, everyone has loads to do. I said I'm going to lose anyway. Let's get over with. Um, all right. Okay. Well, look, uh, okay, so the best game that completely flopped is and will always remain Shenmue. I don't think any game will flop on quite the same scale as Shenmue did. Um, but uh, while also having possibly such a long tail of affection as well, um, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a remarkable thing. Never didn't, to be it's like, didn't the new one super flop as well, three? Didn't it just come out and just the like... The new one no was one crap actually, as well, no one, no one cared. It's like... Not surprised. Nobody cared apart from... Because it looks like it was made 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're making this sequel as if we were making it at the time. Um, all right, okay. Well, thank you very much for listening. Please, as always, leave us a five-star review on your uh, podcast podcast platform of choice. We really do appreciate it. And, you know, uh, and if you want to give some rival podcasts a two-star review <laughs> uh, on our behalf, we're not going to ask you to. But, you know, if you did, it would be cool. All right. Thank you very much. Goodbye. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us get the word out. Uh, we're not just a podcast, of course. If you'd like to hear more from the team, then check out VG247.com for our fantastic news coverage, features, reviews, and game guides. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Transport links are pretty great here in Scotland. Your cars and Uh, I know this is the same one as last week, but one of the choices this week was Death Loop. So just imagine we've looped. Across the fourth of day, there's only one way. Scott Rail. Every minute someone's taking Scott Rail. Not cutting rails or humpback wheels. No Scott Rail. Pop, 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 pop. Glasgow Central and McKeithing Bathgate!